0: Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host.
1: Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers, Washington Bureau Chief. With me are our managing editor, Jim Fryer, John Salantano, our business editor, and Sharp Smith, our technology editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. Our Q4 issue is coming out soon. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com/intelligence. Jim, you're going to start us off this week with some breaking tower news.
2: Well, yeah, this this happened uh, in the middle of uh, last week, uh, and there's there's more breaking tower news to to come internationally. It seems like where the uh, where where all the acquisitions are happening right now is is uh, overseas. Uh, so to kind of kick off this rash of acquisitions, uh, Wednesday, uh, Phoenix Tower, uh, uh, Friends Degan Casavana uh, has been very aggressive in acquiring sites uh, all over the all over the world and um, focused on France this time with uh, picking up uh, towers from Selnex, And it looks like they're gonna be buying about 1,200 sites in France. And um, these are in very densely populated areas. So it's not like they're buying a bunch of uh, rural sites uh, in in France. And uh, this will add uh, not only the towers to them, but uh, SFR, who is a major MNO in France will will become a, a client of them and at the same time uh phoenix is uh, doing a joint venture with a, a partner in france uh called boy i uh, probably didn't got that all wrong boys telecom and that'll be picking up another 2,000 sites uh also in well-populated areas in in france so uh but in both transactions however are uh still have to be approved by the French competition authority and um, they approved uh, uh, last year's acquisition. Sonics acquired a company called Hivery last year and that was, that was approved. Um, So with those two, if those two things both go through um, uh, PTI will suddenly have a 5,000 tower footprint in France, making them a, uh, a major player there. So congrats to Dagan and the people at Phoenix for that. And uh, as I said, th- this is, uh, was kind of the opening salvo in, in international acquisitions. Cause just in, in fact uh, very recently, as far as the, the breaking news uh, we, we've we heard about two major acquisitions um, just uh, just this morning when we were doing this, this podcast, uh, John, you're familiar with the, the one from our friends at Digital Bridge?
0: Yeah, I mean, they um, the, uh, Europe has not been a really a, a, a big beachhead for the company, but uh, we see in this morning's announcement that they've acquired uh, about 3,300 towers from uh, Telnet in Brussels. So um, uh, they're on the move there. We, you know, we earlier on, we had heard about uh, Deutsche Telekom looking to spin off its towers. We talked about this last time. So I think Europe is uh, fairly uh, um, fertile right now in terms of a, a, t- a tower spin-offs and, and acquisitions by um, uh, tower companies. And so uh, these deals are just indicative of, I think a wave that's gonna probably continue good, throughout a good part of this year.
2: Uh, another one we can, another log on the fire of international acquisitions is uh, Airtel Africa. We just heard about this morning, in fact, uh, selling uh its uh, towers to helios who's um you know anybody who follows that market knows helios is, is one of the major major players in africa so uh, the the uh chess pieces keep on moving internationally and it's always always interesting to watch um and, and along with the assets bought from airtel in in Africa um Helios owns operates towers uh, in Tanzania Congo Ghana South Africa so uh, yeah they're uh, they're a major presence there and uh, we intend to keep uh, bringing you the the news in the US but obviously uh, with with everything happening internationally we uh, we will we'll deliver that to you as well and stay on top of it
0: yeah, I think these deals we have to recognize—they're not just uh, tens of towers or hundreds of towers. They involve thousands, and uh, and the, the you know the money being thrown around here is pretty sizable, huh? <laughs> um, and and so that suggests that you know small tower companies are not really able to play uh, very much in in some of these deals. It's going to be companies that are well funded and are already operating at scale. So it would be interesting to see. Um, see how, th- how this unfolds.
2: it sort of is a, a lag indicator as what happened in the US with the carriers mm-hmm. saying, we, you know, we, we need more capital, we, we yep. have vertical assets, uh, let's get back to our core business and let's sell these off. And I think that's, as I said, it's been lagging behind internationally and that's starting to play out now in, in other countries of uh, carriers, MNOs who realize that, um, they got, to, they got to break the piggy bank and they got some towers there that uh, mm-hmm. get a lot
0: of money. Yeah, I think that's exactly the motivator.
1: All right. So, John, I think you're going to talk about the Verizon SES deal to speed the C-band clearing.
0: Yeah, Leslie, you know, as we followed this uh, the C-band auction and its subsequent um, uh, activities, You know, to make C-Band work involves uh, clearing the spectrum that was previously occupied by satellite companies that would broadcast radio and TV programming uh, down to earth stations. Um, uh, And it's, you know, was scheduled to take place in two phases. Phase one, uh, which was scheduled to complete in December of 2021, involved... um, um, the A blocks, which uh, really run from uh, 3.7 to 3.8 uh, um, gigahertz portion of the band. And, and of which AT, uh, Verizon and uh, was the big winner uh, in that A block sector and, um, and AT&T had access to a portion of that through some um, interim uh, allocations. So uh, SCS has uh, signed an agreement with Verizon to uh undertake that clearing of spectrum. Uh, they've already completed phase one uh, ahead of the uh, December 5th deadline. And uh, in doing so, they earned about a billion dollars in accelerated relocation payments uh, uh, to meet phase two, which is set for December 5th, 2023. Uh, they're working to uh, repack the existing services um, uh, from the 3.7 3. 7 to four megahertz, uh, four gigahertz a portion of the band up to the 4.0 to 4.2 uh, 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 portion of, of spectrum. Um, you know, this, this clearing involves changing equipment on the ground, putting in filters on the, res- on the earth station receivers and uh, other ancillary equipment. Um, uh, SCS is moving at a pretty good pace so far um, uh, in 2022, they've done about 500 sites which was comparable to what they did in Phase One, and they'll earn up to uh, 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 170 million additional funds from Verizon, uh, subject to, you know, delivering the cleared spectrum on time. Um, so, with with that clearing, Verizon is able to move forward with its 5G Ultra Wideband service uh, this year, using uh, initially 60 megahertz of that cleared spectrum, and then up to 100 megahertz by 2023 and so this opens up a number of new markets for the company uh, and to be able to to promote its uh, ultra wideband service in markets like Atlanta, Baltimore, Washington, Denver. Um, The company said in January that it would cover 100 million people across 1700 cities with uh, the ultra wideband service uh, actually a couple months ahead of schedule and now they're um they're saying that uh, the, uh, with the accelerated deployment, deployment plan, uh, they'll cover at least 175 million people by the end of 2022. And that's a year ahead of their original schedule. So uh, it's important activity that has to go on. There was some uh, a lot of questions at the beginning as to how quickly and how smoothly that spectrum clearing would take place. But with deals like this, uh, Verizon and the other carriers working closely with the uh, with the satellite companies and actually paying them to make the move. Uh, it seems to be moving along at a, at a pretty good pace. And, um, and the, uh, the mobile, the mobile network operators can then go ahead with their deployment plans to get 5g up and running in, in C band in areas that they, um, that they haven't had access to before. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it.
1: Another, another interesting fact, this, Repack has a lot of moving parts before the auction could take place. The FCC had to get an accurate count of how many earth stations were Mm -hmm. using this band. And a lot of stations, radio and TV, had not registered their earth station with the FCC. So the FCC had to set up a way to do that and a deadline. They found something like 2,000 that had not been registered. Um, There are thousands of Earth stations. And the one difference between, um, uh, oh, and the FCC said, you know, if you don't register your Earth station, you're not going to be thought of in the repack. So you got to do it. So they did it. Um, one, One thing that made this repack for the broadcast side of this easier than the TV side In the other auction was um, they, the broadcasters had the option of using their satellite companies to do all the work for them if they wanted to do that. So that made things easier. Um, Yes. SES was hiring contractors uh, to install filters. We've done several stories about that. They, um, And in this story, it said they installed something. They had to install filters at about 500 sites, Mm -hmm. and that was just SES. There were other satellite companies involved in this too. So a lot of moving parts in this, and it seems to be moving well. So that's good, good for the wireless companies.
0: There was a push to get to the December 2021 deadline. There's a couple years of runway to finish off the rest of it. And I think, uh, and at that point, all the winners of the C-band auction will have access to that spectrum, but uh, it seems like um, you know, the incentive for the, the satellite companies is to try and move it along and do it at or ahead of schedule and, and, and collect that, that funding that has been allocated to them.
1: Yeah, um, the other, uh, and this is sort of a niggling detail, but previous to the auction and this whole C-band clearing plan of the lower part, The satellite companies had full band, full arc, meaning their licenses allowed them access to the entire C-band, which makes a difference. If you're broadcasting, say, a sports uh, programming um, and there's sunspot interference or some other kind of interference Mm -hmm. with your programming, you need to have the ability to switch to another frequency right away. The FCC changed the licenses of all the satellite companies. And they didn't ask them, they just did it. They said, you know, we're the holders of the licenses. This is how your license is gonna be treated now. And it's like, whoa, so that was a big adjustment for the satellite companies. Another story this week that had a regulatory angle, the FCC announced when it's going to hold the next wireless auction for 5G, the 2.5 gigahertz auction. Uh, Chairwoman Rosenmorsel last week had said it would be held in July. This week, the FCC said yes, the date bidding is going to start is July 29th. Um, and the agency confirmed it will use an ascending clock format, a format favored by T Mobile. New Street Research Policy Analyst uh, Blair Levin. He figures T-Mobile is likely to be the big winner in this auction because it would allow the company to fix the so-called Swiss cheese problem. It's 2.5 gigahertz network grid is known to suffer from. How much T-Mobile will have to spend to accomplish that is not known right now. Um, He says the commission lowered what the final amount will be by adopting the ascending clock format. Um, That was instead of a single sealed bid auction, which had been favored by some smaller players. The ascending clock format is generally regarded as more efficient in terms of price discovery. From T-Mobile's perspective, it could allow the carrier to target its dollars more precisely so they don't have to do blind bids. Um, Short form applications for the auction are due by May 10th. Shortly afterwards, the FCC will publish the list of who's going to bid. And there's sort of an undercurrent here, too. The FCC's auction authority expires at the end of its fiscal year, which is September 30th. There's been a lot of noise on the Hill lately. Uh, Chairwoman Rosenworcel has said to Congress, hello, please pay attention to this. Our auction authority expires on September 30th. And after the meeting last week, we asked her, you know, what, what happens if, you, if it isn't extended and then you're in the middle of this auction and she didn't directly answer that, she just said, you know, we anticipate uh, starting this auction on time. But um, New Street believes the issue will be resolved and the auction will proceed. So we'll, we'll monitor that situation. And Sharp, you're going to talk to us about 5G and BMWs. Yes, Leslie,
3: uh, we uh, we had an announcement from T-Mobile that their, uh, uh, their 5G technology is going to be introduced to uh, uh, <clears throat> two high-end electric cars made by BMW, the iX and i4, and uh, it's going to be out uh, in this year's uh, this year's model, 2022, and uh, the uh, as you can imagine, it uh, uh, creates a mobile Wi-Fi spot uh, and able to uh, to download uh, 10 devices at a time. Uh, <clears throat> they uh, they they make the mention that it, it turns the car into a into a uh, a, a 5G smartphone and. Uh, you know, I, I looked up how much it costs to, uh, to buy these two cars. It's, uh, somewhere between, uh, 50,000 and, and $84,000. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm thinking you can, uh, you can get a, a 5G phone for a lot less than that. So, um, it's, uh, I think what is really the, uh, the big news here is, uh, is that this is the first step toward getting these cars uh, uh, connected to the uh, to the grid and begin to start implementing smart smart car type of uh, technology Um, you know how close that gets to uh, autonomous i'm not sure but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of safety features that uh being connected will uh Will afford these cars, and uh, that will be really interesting to see uh, unfold. And uh, the other thing I find interesting about this is that um, you know, everybody's everybody's made announcements that they're going to uh, uh, to implement five G and uh different automobiles. Uh, uh, Verizon uh, announced its its partnership with Audi. Um, and uh, uh, Nissan and uh, Honda have also been partnering with uh, with Verizon and uh, AT&T has had a relationship with uh, General Motors for for years. But <clears throat> uh, all of those all of those uh, uh, relationships basically point to uh, uh, the first cars that are going to have uh, have. Five G will be uh, really not until two thousand and twenty-four, which is kind of how the the uh, the the car industry works out. Uh, uh, they're always, you know, they, I think the classic is they're like three years in advance. Uh, they're working on the cars. Uh, they're designing cars the three three years out. So it's really interesting to me that uh, T-Mobile and BMW were able to uh, turn around. Uh, this technology and get it into uh, into this year's into this year's model. So uh, so yeah, this is <clears throat> this is the beginning, and I think of a lot of uh, a lot of announcements, a lot of uh, cellular vehicle to uh, to everything uh, technology where your car your car is going to be aware of of uh, of its surroundings and uh, and be able to either make judgments or or alert you so you can make judgments of uh, so you could avoid uh, an accident. So uh, it, it'll be, uh, it'll be really interesting to see if uh, uh, we can get uh, these cars to be uh, safer because of 5G technology.
1: I remember being at CES and sitting at demo cars when automakers were having to grapple with the fact that instead of engine or other mechanical reasons, new car buyers were more interested in tethering, pairing their phone with their car. They wanted to know what features were in the infotainment center. And that was a huge shift for the automakers to have to start talking about that in dealerships. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. We'll see you in a week.